Pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, on August 7th, 1939, about 25 miles from where Andrew and I used to live in Maryland, a man named John Henry Miller filed a device, uh, filed a patent for uh, a device. And uh, that little device was called a crummer, a C-R-U-M-B-E-R. Now, I'm curious, uh, how many of you have ever heard of a crummer before? All right, I got one person in the back. Well, for the rest of us, uh, which included myself until this past week, uh, a crummer is, uh, is a device uh, that you'll find used at really fancy restaurants. Uh, they're usually made out of metal. Uh, they're about the length of a pencil. They're uh, usually pretty flat with a slightly curved or concave side, and that makes them really good for scraping crumbs off the table. And so you find yourself at, for example, a, a really fancy French restaurant, and, uh, and you tear off a piece of bread, and some crumbs fall to the table, and you have a really good waiter. Then that waiter might just come by and scrape those crumbs up, because in the context of situations like this, crumbs are useless. Crumbs are unwanted, and since you're at a really fancy French restaurant, they're not going to make you clean them up, and so your waiter is going to come by and do that for you. So that's a crummer, a C-R-U-M-B-E-R, a crummer, and I want you to contrast uh, that image uh, with, uh, with a couple of others. Images where crumbs are not useless. And, and so uh, maybe that image is the image of, I don't know, uh, a toddler who with joy discovers a goldfish in his car seat. Uh, or maybe that image is the image of uh, your sister-in-law's German shepherd who with joy discovers dishes that were just loaded into the dishwasher. Maybe that image is the image of a father who discovers with joy a little bit of extra dessert on his son's plate. All hypothetical situations, of course. Uh, but I, I want you to contrast those images because today's reading deals with crumbs and, uh, and the kind of crummy, that's crummy with a B, the kind of crummy faith that an unexpected woman in an unexpected place teaches us to have. So that brings us uh, to today's reading uh, from Matthew's Gospel. And if you've been tracking with Matthew's story about Jesus uh, for the past few weeks, uh, then you know that in Matthew chapter 13, uh, the last time I preached here at Messiah, Jesus wraps up one of the five great sermons he tells. And it launches us into Matthew 14, uh, where Jesus performs these two very familiar miracles uh, that we've heard about the past two weeks. First, Jesus feeds the 5,000. 5,000 Jewish men, not including the women and children. And then uh, he sends his disciples on ahead of him. They sail across the sea, and as they go, Jesus comes walking to them on the water. 
And not only that, he invites Peter out of the boat. And if you were here last week, you heard how that story goes. And that, that brings us uh, to Matthew 15, the beginning of it, and, and the story that we do not hear uh, between those two readings and the one you just heard. And, uh, and in that reading, uh, what we hear is Jesus and his disciples get out of a boat. They make their way ashore. Jesus heals a, a bunch of sick people. And then all of a sudden a group of scribes and Pharisees who've made their way from Jerusalem, almost 100 miles away, uh, begin to call Jesus out for the way in which his disciples are practicing their faith. As you can probably imagine, that leads to a pretty heated conversation, a heated conversation that deserves a sermon in its own right. But I bring it up today because it's that conversation uh, that's the context uh, for what happens next. Jesus withdraws. And then Jesus heads to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Those two little details, they may seem unimportant, the fact that Jesus withdraws and that he goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon, but they really do color the way in which we hear uh, the story you heard today. You see, the curtain rises on today's reading. Matthew tells us that Jesus is withdrawing, which tells us that it's not so much about where Jesus is going, but where Jesus is leaving. And so his goal isn't so much to gather a crowd or to perform a miracle. His goal is to make sure that his story doesn't end in a small fishing village on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. Because his story needs to end in Jerusalem. His story needs to end when he gives his life as a ransom for the many. His story needs to end when he dies on a cross for all of our sins. And so Jesus withdraws as the curtain opens on today's reading, and he heads to the region of Tyre and Sidon. You see, Tyre and Sidon, uh, they're these two coastal cities on the Mediterranean Sea. They're about 30 miles from where Jesus once was, and, and they represent some of the furthest that Jesus travels away from Jerusalem and away from Israel during his ministry. They are Gentile cities. Jews don't leave there. And, and that fact is going to become uh, pretty important in just a minute, but right now it simply serves to highlight the important thing that we notice as this story begins. Someone from Tyre and Sidon wants to see Jesus. You see, that someone is, uh, is a Canaanite woman. I could tell you all sorts of details about the Canaanites, that they are one of ancient Israel's ancient enemies, Uh, that that they do all sorts of battles over the year, or, or that these people, they worship other gods, gods who at least in the past have demanded things like human sacrifice and the use of things like temple prostitutes. I mean, I could tell you all sorts of details, but the important detail is this, the reputation of Canaanites precede them. And that's striking because as we meet this woman, she seems to embody none of those things. Lord, she says, you see, the term Lord is, uh, is a term that only Jesus' disciples use for him in Matthew's gospel. And here's this Canaanite woman coming to him and saying, Lord, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. 
My daughter is suffering greatly from demon possession. And, and what the parent of any child knows is that when, when your child is suffering, there's nothing you won't do. No boundary you won't cross, no thing you won't give, no amount of humiliation that you won't endure. Because when your child has a need, that need is also your own. And so this Canaanite woman comes to Jesus and she seems very different. And it's immediately obvious. And, and that's why what happens next is so incredibly uncomfortable for people like us. Jesus, Jesus who didn't condemn the woman caught in adultery. Jesus who didn't refuse a Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus who welcomed sinners and outcasts again and again throughout his ministry. This Jesus ignores this woman. I mean, she cries out to him, and he does nothing. And it's incredibly uncomfortable. And yet, before we can ask what's going on, what we discover is that this woman is also incredibly persistent, so persistent that Jesus' disciples eventually come to him and say, you know, hey, can't you do something for her? Just send her away. And that's when Jesus responds with this very troubling statement. I mean, he, he looks at his disciples, and, and maybe this woman can hear him. Maybe she can't. We don't really know. Either way, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And if you're anything like me, uh, it makes you want to argue with Jesus. You know, what about the other Gentiles you helped out? Why is this woman any different? But before you can argue with him, things seem to go from bad to worse. This woman pleads with Jesus one more time, Lord, help me. And he looks at her and he says, it isn't right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. Now, commentators will be quick to point out that the word Jesus uses here uh, isn't the ordinary word for dog. It's a, it's a diminutive form, which means that, uh, that Jesus is telling us something specific about the kind of dogs he's referring to. You know, probably not wild dogs that roam the street, but rather, you know, pet dogs, the kind you'd have at home. And so you think about that detail, but I'm not sure it makes it any better. I mean, Jesus is still talking to this woman and implying that maybe she's a dog, and, and the word still has a negative connotation in Jesus' day. Actually, it's uh, the kind of word uh, that the Jews would use to describe anyone who wasn't like them. You know, those dogs the Canaanites. And so we're almost all the way through this reading, and it makes you wonder, what is going on here? I mean, what's Jesus doing? Why is he ignoring this woman, and why does it seem like he's implying that she's a dog? Well, with respect to the first question, you know, why is Jesus ignoring this woman? Or to put it another way, why is Jesus saying that his ministry is only for the lost sheep of Israel? The answer, it sort of makes sense, but it's still really unsatisfying. You see, Jesus is born into the house of Israel. He's born into the house of Israel to be Israel's promised Messiah. 
And if he doesn't establish himself as that Messiah, then his sacrificial love, his message of, of love and peace, hope and forgiveness, that message will never make itself outside of Israel and to all people, including the Gentiles and, and people like this woman, something that Jesus shows us again and again that his ministry is also about. And so it sort of makes sense, but it's also kind of unsatisfying. And that brings us uh, to the second question, you know, why is Jesus calling this woman or implying that this woman is a dog? And if you go to the commentaries, uh, they offer a number of possible explanations. You see, some think that Jesus is testing this woman's faith, and that he's trying to make sure that it's, it's in fact genuine or authentic or uh, real. Others argue that, uh, that Jesus isn't really being serious, that he's playing devil's advocate or that he's kidding or, or that he's doing something else. And still more suggests that this is just an example of Jesus being fully divine, but also fully human. And so maybe he's having a bad day, which among the possible uh, explanations for what is going on, I certainly find the least likely to be the case. Nevertheless, none of these answers are particularly satisfying, except to say that for whatever reason, uh, Jesus knows that people refer to the Canaanites and the Gentiles as dogs, and for whatever reason, he wants this woman to know that he knows that. So what is going on here? Well, when it comes to Jesus' words, uh, it, it seems and, and kind of feels a, a little complicated. But when it comes to this woman and, and her response, it's not complicated at all. Instead, uh, she shows us something very important, what great faith, or uh, if you'll pardon the expression, what crummy faith looks like. See, there are two very important things uh, that I think this woman shows us. First, uh, she shows us uh, that crummy faith is honest. It's honest about who we are, and it's honest about how God is working in our world. I mean, Jesus, uh, from this woman's perspective, has just ignored her. He's just implied that she's a dog, and yet I want you to notice she doesn't argue with him. She doesn't explain herself. Instead, uh, she simply accepts the fact that's true of all of us. She deserves nothing from God. Not you, uh, but this is the part I find incredibly difficult because when God doesn't do what I want, I'm ready to argue with him. And, uh, and when I've done something wrong, and, and this woman, at least as far as we know, hasn't done something wrong, but when I've done something wrong, uh, I'm ready to defend myself. Lord, it makes sense. It's understandable. Yeah, I'm guessing uh, that those things may also be true of you. Because it's so easy to think that we deserve something from Jesus. And yet when we're honest, when we're really honest, we know that that couldn't be further from the case. And so this woman shows us how to be honest about who we are, and how to be honest about how our God is working in the world. So she says to him, you know what? You're right. Or to use the words in this text, she says, yes, Lord. Because she knows she doesn't belong to Israel. 
And for whatever reason, she knows that, that Jesus' mission starts with Israel to do what they couldn't so that God could save all people. And so she comes to him. Yes, Lord, I know I don't belong to Israel. I know that I don't deserve anything from you. That brings us to the second thing she shows us. She shows us that his crumbs really are enough. I mean, she may not belong to Israel, but she knows that our Lord's table is so rich and so full and so gracious that even the crumbs that fall from his table are enough for us. You know, uh, the same is true for us, and yet God doesn't just give us crumbs. He gives us everything we need. He gives us his son. His son, who really did deserve everything, but took nothing. His son, who gave it all away so that he could become Israel's Messiah and bring that message of hope and love, peace and forgiveness to people like you and me and the whole wide world, so that even though we deserve nothing, we might receive everything. His crumbs are enough, and yet he gives us more than just crumbs. Another's a, a story about another passage of Scripture uh, that today's reading made me think about uh, the first time I heard it. And that story is, uh, is the story about what happened uh, to that thief on the cross who was hung there next to Jesus when he finally made his way to heaven. See, uh, after the crucifixion, the story goes, uh, the, this thief, he, he makes his way up to the pearly gates in heaven. And, uh, and when he does, uh, he finds himself face to face with uh, the gatekeeper. And, and the gatekeeper sees him and, and immediately recognizes who he is. Hey, aren't you that criminal? Why should I let you in? See, it's at this point in this uh, hypothetical story that there's a, a long pause. I mean, the thief is understandably nervous uh, because he knows there's only one thing he can say. And so he takes a deep breath, and, and he looks at the gatekeeper, and he says, Jesus told me I could come. See, that's the kind of faith, uh, great faith, but also crummy faith uh, that the Canaanite woman in this reading uh, teaches us to have. And because when we're honest, when we're really honest, we know that we deserve nothing. And yet, even though we deserve nothing, our Lord gives us everything, not just the crumbs, but everything he has so that we might have a place in his family, so that our sins might be forgiven, so that we might have purpose in the kingdom of God. And so just like a, a child who discovers a goldfish uh, in his car seat uh, or a German shepherd who, who discovers uh, some food on the plates in the dishwasher, the dad who discovers a little bit of extra dessert on his son's plate my hope and prayer uh, that this would bring joy to you because we do deserve nothing but our Lord loves us so much that he gives us everything in the name of Jesus amen now at this time I'd invite